waiting for them to make a relevant Suicune dragon, whatever that, you know, the uh, raptor. Why was that not in this set? I don't know. It was why? one of the most hyped ones. People were so stoked about it. Yeah. The Raikou, too. I just don't... Well, everyone thought Paradox Raikou was going to be spicy, and then they got a giraffe. <laughs> yeah. I like you the know, design. I was going to say, like, a little later after the fact, I'm like... I'm more into it than I was at first. Welcome to the Mock Stars Podcast. I'm Evan Kunai, one of your hosts, and I'm here with Jordan Garcia. Yo, what is up? And we have... No Christopher Ritter today. He is out, uh, but he will be back next week. Welcome to the show, everybody. The number one podcast on the internet for Magic the Gathering and Dr. Pepper. If you are listening to this, one, thank you. If you're watching this, you already know where to find us. You can find us on YouTube. Give us that thumbs up. Hit that bell for more notifications. And more importantly, subscribe. And subscribe to us on all of major podcasting platforms. Huge Shout out to all of our patrons. If you are not a patron, you, you suck. <laughs> Is that you're gonna say? I was that, trying to guess. That's, yeah, that's a flat out, uh, very simple way to put it. There's only like seven people that don't suck. Yeah, yeah, uh, seventeen thousand. You're right, hundred percent. Yeah, um, just kidding. You don't suck, but consider. You can check out the description below on the YouTube video to find a link to our Patreon. For for $3, you can become an official Pepperhead. We get the Pepperhead role on our Discord server. Be sure to join that. And you get access to two exclusive channels on the Discord server, the Dr. Pepper channel and the Shower Thoughts channel, where we take a little bit of our time on every single episode to talk about some Shower Thoughts. Yeah, if you were uh, confused about why we were called Pepperheads until the the Patreon talk, it's because we forgot to say that we are the best podcast on the internet for magic and, of course, Dr. Pepper. No, did we forget to say that? We did forget to say it. Oh. Um, Unless you didn't, in which case, you won't find out until you edit this. Well, we've said it two or three times now. Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper! (laughs) All right. Today, we're talking about a few things. There is... A lot. Hence Holy the, the new intro. There is a lot to talk about that made me go, wah, 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 wah. That's a new intro every week now, just by the way. And I went, wah. <laughs> and uh, so there's there was a lot of information that came out in just this past week that has just overwhelmed us. There is so much product coming down the tube and so much new information because not only did we get announcements for product, we're actually seeing new cards. So, uh, 100%. Jordan, I'm just going to let you take this one. The most hype IP that you could ever want. What is it? It's Jurassic Park. I'm just kidding. That's your thing, obviously. Dude, we are talking about the freaking, I'm trying not to swear, Fallout set. Yeah, whatever it is. Fallout thing. Yeah, that's the thing, right? I'm kind of confused about where we are at with the world and state of things. The things used to just be a secret layer, and now they are a set or a commander product, and now they are a set plus four commander products plus a secret layer that accompanies plus three months later another special version. So I just like don't really know what each of these are yet, um, and I don't know when I will know those things. But... We're talking about the cards we've seen so far, which are just a few of them, and we're talking about the Fallout Universes Beyond 
set. Uh, I'm not going to say set. Cards. The uh, cards that were announced just this uh, past week, all very exciting. Uh, there are plenty of new legends. There's also a lot of really well done, flavorful mechanics. This uh, is one of my favorite things about Magic the Gathering is when you can see a card that is well made in that it ties in the flavor of what the art and writing represents and what the card does in the lore with what it mechanically does. And I think that is always a huge win when you can successfully do that. And I think um, a lot of these hit that mark for me. So I, it's very, 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 very cool. So um, right well, up... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we, we know for a fact that we're getting some commander decks out of this because we're getting reskinned variants of commander staples, soul ring, arcane signet, command tower. Oh, um, I see. You know, so there are going to be commander decks that come out with this, but um, I got they, say, they already I, announced that. They I, announced the face commanders. I do know that for a fact. Okay, cool. Yep. Yeah, I don't hate the uh, the Pit Boy Arcane Signet. I think that's kind of lit. Yeah. Um, but talking about some new cards, because uh, we all know what Arcane Signet does. Um, one card I'm very interested in is uh, that. I think this is very, very, very cool. Uh, one, Vats is just a huge flavor win for me in the game. I love Fallout, uh, but it's excellent removal at instant speed, which we don't see a lot of these days. We don't see split second on exactly. cards. Exactly. You love to see split second. Um, yep. Okay, so Vats is two black black for an instant split second. Choose any number of target creatures with equal toughness. Destroy the chosen creatures. Yeah. I think there's a lot of potential for removal in this card 100 percent, yeah and it's like anytime we've seen well one split second is amazing right but outside of that anytime you've seen where you have the option of picking and choosing and like you know almost like a fire covenant but without having to lose all the life you know if you can achieve that similar effect i think this card's a dub yeah it's the very flavorful like you said uh because if you've ever played like fallout 3 i think this is where like the mechanic or this whole thing like for me that's where i derive it from but i just remember like going yeah, into totally. vats you know and then as many bullets as you have in your clip you're able to shoot you know give you a percentage or whatever to shoot that particular area of the creature or whatever and so that's depicted in the artwork one and then two not only does the effect actually make sense and stick with that flavor like you said it's also incredibly powerful we for the last few months have been talking about like when you boil down all the numbers statistics wise how many creatures have two toughness how many creatures have three toughness you know and then uh if you're playing against decks that prioritize tokens like all one ones or, or generally base one toughness so right. you have the ability to snipe a million to a million tokens that were created it stops a dual caster mage line you know it stops right. the jiki lines it, you know it j just does a lot i think we all have the math in like in our heads from recent memory because stern's golden came out and we all ran the numbers yes uh, and then uh yeah what is the other card oh talion talion came out and yep. we all ran the numbers right so it's like i think it's fresh in our memory that was like this card could probably do a lot of stuff this probably can probably do a lot of damage yeah and when it comes down to I guess when it comes down to interrupting combos, anything with split second is already valuable. We've talked about for the last couple of weeks that we want to be playing Force of Despair more often due to that just like instant speed, sort of like selective destruction. And this is now like you don't get the free casting cost, but you do have far more control over what you're destroying. And it's definitely going to resolve. 
Yeah, and it, it will definitely resolve, which is also wonderful. I think I think honestly here so far for me the wins are the flavor wins like you said like some of these legendary creatures that you can build commander decks out of i'm really interested in i think i'm going to build a lot of casual decks out of the stuff we've seen today between this and uh the Ixalan stuff coming out yep um mr house i'm really excited to build it's a mardu card uh for just straight up mardu uh red white black mr house or uh, mr house president and ceo he's a legendary artifact creature human zero four then it says, one of you roll a four or higher, create a three-three robot artifact creature token. If you rolled a six or higher instead, uh, create that token and a treasure. And then it says, four tap, roll a six-sided die plus an additional six-sided die for each mana from treasures spent to activate this ability. Uh, notably, it doesn't care about what how many sides are on your die. So if you right. have cards that say D20. Congratulations! You're probably the odds yeah. are in your favor. You're hitting, probably yeah, rolling a, over tw- over six. Hitting a six on a D six is kind of tough, but hitting a six <laughs> over a six on a uh, D twenty, pretty chill. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of shenanigans you can do in this deck, and I plan to do all of them. Yeah, definitely more fun, and uh, you can let's see, you can probably have a little fun with this because there's that um, that legendary creature that allows you to create copies of itself every time you roll so high on the dice. And then you can oh. keep re-rolling if you roll high enough. Yeah, I like that they've added enough in recent history that I think this won't be a stale deck by any means. There's lots of cool stuff. Like I'm thinking about those D and D dragons, right? Every yeah. time you you know the combat damage roll for a D twenty. Totally. Like, You're generating treasures already, so it's kind of like you will hopefully yeah. get to those dragons. Right. And then oh just I one time paying four uh I love tracking the mana from the treasures. So spending four treasures to activate him lets you roll five six-sided die, which looks just like you are, you know, in Vegas. Yeah. So I don't know. It just mega vibes, mega vibes. I love it. Uh, there are two more cards that I really want to talk about before we move on from this. The uh, other one, or one of the two, is one of the uh, face cards on one of the commander decks, the Wise Mothman. Oh, yeah, this is a good thing to talk about. Yeah, this is what everyone is sort of like hot on. I think that uh, when you see when you see a new legendary creature, the first thought in commander players' minds is, how does this go infinite, if at all? So one, a black, green, and a blue for a legendary creature, insect, mutant, 3-3 three, three flyer. Whenever the wise mothman enters the battlefield or attacks, each player gets a rad counter. Whenever one or more non-land cards are milled, Put a plus one plus one counter on each of up to X target creatures where X is the number of non-land cards milled this way. Now, uh, if you're not familiar with what a rad counter is, it's a radiation counter. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, if you have any rad counters, mill that many cards. For each non-land card milled this way, you lose one life and a rad counter. You lose a rad counter. I think we read it wrong differently, but you lose a rad counter if you milled a non-land card that way. Uh, so uh, it doesn't keep stacking and compiling like I think we had theorized prior, but the deck is still very good because everyone is talking about how you can basically... It's not as cool as I thought it was. <laughs> I'm you bummed. can basically food chain your way to a win. It does trigger on the main phase of the next player's turn, so uh, you don't win immediately, but you do... We get like six new food chain commanders every yeah. set. Who cares? Hey, I just wanted a cool new mechanic and it's lame. Yeah, now. it turns out turns out food chain is a good card. All right, moving on. The next card, Radstorm. I think everyone's this one's excited about sick. this. Three and a blue. Instant storm proliferate. 
Yeah. It's so simple. That's it. Two words. It's so simple. And I think that's what I love about it more than like its impact on the metagame or anything. I just love that it says two words on it. I think that initially I I was like kind of ragging on this card because the mana value is so high. But I think when you put it in perspective of the entire power of every card in the game and all the things that deal with counters, that it's honestly not undercost. It's not overcosted. It's appropriately costed. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a generically good card. Like it, it goes in a very specific deck, but it's a deck that will be sitting and holding up mana all the time. Totally. So if they are the ones storming off, great. I think if, you know, somebody else just pops off and has a great turn and then you're just like, sick, proliferate win the game somehow. Um, I think there's a lot of options um, for what this card can do. I know uh, our buddy and patron, fellow Pepperhead, Tordith, has uh, a sick Jinkataxis list, the uh, Saga Boy. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we've been talking about it a little bit already, and uh, I sent this to him immediately. I was like, this seems lit in that. Like, just being able to, like, plow through and, like, rip all of your, you know, Saga in one turn. Oh, seem- yeah. That seems, like, awesome. Um, yeah, so Fallout stuff looks very exciting right off the bat. That's pretty much it for right now. It's just mostly the card design I'm very excited about. Like there, And there's a few other, like check them out, there's a few other legendary creatures, but just fun card design is what I'm really excited to see. Totally. Uh, moving on to the next set that was revealed to us. Set of cards, we don't set know. Set of cards, yeah. <laughs> a collection of random cards. Um, I do know for a fact, I'm just going to bundle these two together. We are now starting to see the spoilers for Caverns of Ixalan. Yes. And along with that, we're seeing new cards from a Jurassic Park supplementary set. Oh my God, that's what it is? I'm pretty sure, you know, question mark. But what is happening is, oh, it's what a is secret happening? layer. It's a secret layer. Okay, we're fine. Is it just a secret layer? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we'll find out. Again, in the Jurassic Park slash Caverns of Ixalan episode, we will have this information for you. Yes, we will. Uh, there is a lot of, like, there's a bunch of new cards designed specifically, f- like, with Jurassic Park in mind. So they tried to keep these cards very flavorful. We're seeing the Indoraptor, the perfect hybrid, which is a uh, Jund legendary creature, dinosaur mutant, has Bloodthirst X menace and enrage whenever indoraptor is dealt damage choose an opponent at random indoraptor deals damage equal to its power to that player unless they sacrifice a non-token creature which is really great it's a 3-1 so uh if they've lost life this turn if you're not familiar with bloodthirsty bloodthirst x it enters with plus one plus one counters equal to the amount of life the opponent has lost this turn so uh, the amount of damage dealt to your opponent. So you have to be able to deal the damage, not loss of life. And then he, then when he attacks? No, whenever he, when he enters, he gets that many rares. Oh, and uh, whenever he's dealt damage, it's in rage. Oh, and then it's whenever he's dealt damage, he does that much damage to another creature, and then access damage is dealt to the owner? No, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> There's two different dinosaurs we're talking yes, about. Yes, yes, there are. I'm sorry, I'm confused. Um, so, Indoraptor is pretty cool. I think the one this you're is talking th- about yes. is Ravenous Tyrannosaurus. There's just too many dinos. Yeah, well, that's a good thing. Not uh, too many dinos. There's a lot of There is There is the perfect amount. This is a cool one. Yeah, so for four, a red, and a green, this is not a legendary creature, but it is just a dinosaur. Should be legendary. Just Devour three. And at, as it enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice any number of creatures. This creature enters the battlefield with three times that many plus one plus one counters on it for each of those creatures. Whenever it attacks, it deals damage equal to its power up to one other target creature. Excess damage is dealt to that creature's controller Bingo. instead. 
Yeah, kind of awesome, right? Yeah, I think that is just so clean. Well, one, Devour is just so much better than I remember it. Yeah. Sacrificing no. one creature for three counters is nutty. It's a very gruel mechanic, and there's a um, legendary gruel creature that is Devour X is its ability. And so if you mm. sacrifice six creatures, you get six plus one plus one counters for each creature sacrifice that way. So, Whoa. yeah, so it can kind of get crazy and out of control. Um, there are a few other ones. Uh, we're getting, again, more command towers. Uh, we're getting a really cool new card, which we've been talking about on the Discord server. Just kind of like brainstorming the ideas that can go along with this. But I don't know if you are crazy about this card or not yet, but you will be. Dino DNA. Sell me on it because I'm not yet. Not yet. A one mana artifact. You can pay one to tap. Exile target creature card from a graveyard. Activate only as a sorcery. Note that it does not limit you to just one creature imprint. You can keep imprinting creatures onto this. Uh, very flavorful because in Jurassic Park, they said they got literally hundreds of strands of different dinosaurs' DNA from one single mosquito. So uh, kind of a cool flavor. I see. Yeah. Uh, you can pay six mana, create a token that's a copy of target creature card, exile with dino DNA, except it's a 6-6 six, six green dinosaur creature with trample. Activate only as a sorcery. Um, I think Wizards of the Coast is very aware of their uh, Colossal Dreadmaw meme thing, that they're very in touch with the social side of the game, uh, because that is just a Colossal Dreadmaw that you're creating uh, by paying six mana. It's awesome. Six mana, six, six. Yeah. You're saying. Yeah. But it's a creature that has the effect of whatever you exiled with it. So um, obviously not uh, impossible to create dockside loops with this. I was going to say, can you imagine paying six for a dockside that gets like 12 more treasures or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So there's ways to do it where you can dockside loop if. Oh, and you can create the same token. Yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So after. And you can exile other things. So after you create your infinite mana with dockside loops or whatever, That's you can then create infinite of the other thing too, or other thing. But you have to tap to exile it. So you can only have, you should probably already have it in the bank. But pretty much if you can make seven mana with dockside, you can go infinite. Yeah. Yep. That's actually gross. So for one mana artifact, not that bad. I also saw they were talking, the boys were talking in the uh, Discord about Kinnon uh, taking advantage of this card a lot. Yes. Um, and then also like, maybe infinitely activating with thoracle i don't know yeah yeah uh Tordith was on um was on there talking about like just putting like in a million uh thoracle triggers on the stack so that you can just like basically guarantee the win um there's a few other things there's a board wipe called don't move three and two white destroy all tapped creatures until your next turn whenever a creature becomes tapped destroy it so flavorful honestly uh they're doing a new uh, set of basic lands and hope just looking at those hopefully it's 10 basic lands because there's two separate artworks if they split it up into five and five for forty dollars for each one i will be furious yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> it better it. be 10 it you better know it's gonna be it should just be 10 foil or not uh, 10 foil basic lands for forty dollars in which case i will consider it like that is actually not a bad deal but uh, we're looking at a lot of really interesting cards from this. Um, to note, we're also... This is actually kind of a... I was just looking at this. What the fuck is this? What Sorry. are you looking at? Well, you just looked at it. Special guests? Oh, yeah. So along with all this information that was spoiled, 
We also received new uh, information on reprints that we'll see for uh, Lost Caverns of Exhale and special guests. So special hey. guests just popping up in the set? Um, I... I'm sorry. I'm no, asking. this is like a game nights thing. So this is like uh, you show up for an event and you get these. You get a mana crypt at that event? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what they're... That's why they're doing all these like different colors of it and stuff like that. So... Okay. Um, the Calamax, the Storm Sire is a new borderless foil version Very of Calamax. Cool. Looks really great. Uh, the new most expensive version of Underworld Breach will also be available. Dude, this Underworld Breach is nutty looking. Yeah. Um, Thrasios, Triton Hero. Also looks great. I think this art is fantastic. The new most expensive version of Thrasios <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. sure. For sure. Uh, Bridge from Below. Uh, I'm not sure where this card is still seeing play. Um, hasn't really seen play in modern since Ragavan was printed, so who knows. But, wait, we'll wait for these two ringers of uh, highly played cards. Yeah, and Star Compass, which... Uh, Star Compass and Lord of Atlantis, unless you're on Merfolk Modern. Right. Um, okay, so the Jurassic Park stuff, really cool. Um, the special guest stuff, obviously really cool. Notable reprints that everyone has been wanting to see for a long time. Now, on to the Caverns of Exalen stuff. We're not going to do too many things, but there's one card of note, one of the face commanders, which we have been discussing a lot uh, recently. It is right up my alley. It's something that Guy on the Discord server really wants to build as well. So, Oh, yes. Wait for it. This is going to be a brew storm. Finally, something that goes with food chain. <laughs> Finally, something that I will particularly enjoy. Pantalaza, the sun favored. How much do you like saying Pantalaza. Pantalaza. I still not quite sure how to say it. Pantalaza. That's how you say it. Pantalaza. I, I don't really know. Um, <laughs> you just have to say dia pitch <laughs> and that confident and you should be fine. And I cast Pantalaza. Um, it is a legendary creature. Dinosaur 4-4. Four, four. It is five mana. Yay. I was wondering if it was or not, but it is two red, green, white. So we're right in the Naya wheelhouse. Whenever Pantlaza, sun favored, or another dinosaur enters the battlefield under your control, you may discover X, where X is the creature's toughness. Do this only once each turn. So, um, first, let's discuss Discover. Discover is a new mechanic coming into Caverns of Ixalan that, or Ixalan, that, um, well, it's better Cascade. Like, I, uh, on the face, that's what it reads like. It is exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card with that mana value or less. Cast it without paying its mana cost or put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Yeah, it's just like updated, modernized cascade. But it allows you to cast something with the same mana value or if there's a Dranith Magistrate on the battlefield, it doesn't restrict you from just putting that card into your hand and drawing one. Yeah, I think having options there is great. You're just revealing information. So uh, is there something stopping you? Awesome. Just put it in your hand and then you will go. Something with there. a cast trigger instead, you know, something, some reason you want to have in your hand that happens all the time. Yeah. Um, revealing like a Elvish Spirit Guide off of this would obviously feel awful. So put it in my hand instead. Like... Really cool. Like, oh, and endurance, I don't need that right now. I'll just put it in my hand instead. So there's uh, a lot of really great things you can do here. One notable thing is, like Jordan said, it goes with food chain because it's while it only says that do this only once each turn, 
It is a new permanent each time it enters the battlefield. And so if you food chain with it, it will infinitely trigger your uh, discover. You'll discover four infinitely until you go through your entire library. So it is pretty fun. I think this is a very fresh new take for Naya. That is very cool. Yeah. Uh, notably, you can hit an Academy Rector off of this. So if you uh, are to hit Pantalaza onto the battlefield in response to the trigger, you can cast a Worldly Tutor, put Academy Rector on top of your library, and then cast it for free. Reveal it as a first card, cast it for free, and continue from there. Another unique interaction is that since you're playing dinosaurs, probably, there aren't too many that if you're playing this in CDH that are going to be valuable to what you're trying to do. But I do think that one that does make the cut is Marauding Raptor. It came from Core 21, I believe, or Core 20. Uh, I think it's Core 21. The Zero Wheelhouse. Yeah, so it's one in a red for a dinosaur that says creature spells you cast cost one less and it's a two three for two mana so it's it's under costed for its stats but that just makes the uh, the discover trigger even better i thought it was a three one for two mana and i thought it was going to have a tr- terrible discover trigger but it doesn't you can actually grab something with three mana value or less i see but it also says Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Marauding Raptor deals two damage to it. If that creature is a dinosaur, that creature gets plus two plus oh until end of turn. I don't know if it gains haste. I don't think it does, but um, maybe it does. It's notable because you can now basically use Panchlaza to grab the Academy Rector, put it onto the field or whatever, and the Academy Rector will hit the battlefield. Marauding Raptor will kill it immediately, and then you can start the food chain loop. Very fun. Yeah. And it's dino-themed. And it's a dinosaur that triggers Pantalaza. you love to see it. Um, I will say, because you're talking about Pantalaza, which is from the Commander decks uh, coming yes. out with Ixalan, they're doing another thing, just brace yourselves, um, called the Treasure Trove. Um, again, have not fully done my research. Don't know if it's showing up just in the Commander versions or what, but it is some alternate arts of some artifacts because it's like Ixalan, caverns, you know, treasure finding. Yeah. Uh, there's a pretty, they're all like borderless foil or borderless. There's a pretty sick looking chalice of the void that looks awesome. Um, mm-hmm. That was a pretty sick reprint. Amulet of Vigor, that's actually a pretty solid needed reprint too. That's an expensive card and this is now a nice bougie version of it. Oh yeah. Um, and then get your expedition map and arcane signet and course of portal. Why, why not? Well, I think the expedition map is downshifted, which is nice. Maybe it's always been uncommon, but... There's no way that was a rare. I don't know. Searching for any land, like we are talking mm, about earlier, busted. is pretty valuable. Busted. Uh, so there's some other commanders, but we'll t- cover that on the uh, later app specifically talking about this. Anything you else you want to talk about? Uh, not really from this set. There were a couple new things to come out today, but uh, we will cover those in a future episode. Again, I will say... I'm excited about it because it is mechanics represented well or flavor represented well in the mechanics. And uh, I think there's a lot of new interesting mechanics as well that we can all build around and, you know, maybe get some upgrades in decks. I think there's a lot of casual stuff I'm actually looking to build out of a lot of stuff I've seen today. Yeah, totally. Um, All right. We're moving on to our main subject. (laughs) <laughs> just winged a new uh, riff for us, a transition. Yeah, there like we go. It. All right. Well, yes, today, uh, I mean, it was kind of a 50-50 app. We were talking, there was so much to cover with all the info we got this yep. week. Holy God. 
Um, and we could have gone forever. Um, but we are talking about earning your spot on Olympus. How do new decks and archetypes break into a figured out meta and make a name for themselves? How to get out of or out of fringe? Yeah, basically, how does a deck make the transition? When does it make the transition? And what type of results do we need to consistently see to say, well, this is now a consistent like consistent enough deck to just take to tournaments and expect to win. Like for example, blue farm. Yeah, exactly. Right. So we have the tried and trues, the, the Olympian gods, if you will, right. The ones that are just, there are, uh, altars that, you know, pure or mere mortals like worship at, right. We have like blue farm, like I would said, we have Najila, Kenrith, yeah, a few gods that stand above everybody else. You know, it's like these are the decks that show up. Winota, you know, that is the stacks deck. Yes. Um, so it, we're wondering, and, and we want to have the conversation today uh, about when a, when a deck makes that transition and when a deck probably won't be able to make that transition. That is know, the thing, yeah. Like... Uh, um rarely does it happen rarely does a human become a god right so uh we're seeking today our hercules exactly yes exactly i have a candidate in mind please um well before we get to it let's talk about some fringe decks that probably won't make the cut like probably not rising above the ranks to godhood um one just very obvious a deck i've been playing for a while shalain halar that what is the are you type talking of, about it's the type of deck that won't ever make it why is that because it's it's one of those decks that comes out and people talk about it right away and they're very excited about the two card combo that will win you the game it's just there's a certain point when uh something is new that everyone does their research and once you've seen it enough once you've seen it happen one time once you've seen it happen once as a player you remember and you know how to adjust and adapt and make sure it doesn't happen again you know if you're sitting across the table and you lose to shalai and halar i'm not gonna get you twice with it yeah i think there's the difference is just like can you just always do what you're going to do and which in your situation you can't no but like Najila is always going to Najila. Blue Farm is always going to Blue Farm. Kenrith is always going to Kenrith. Right. Those right. are effects that are really hard to stop. And for whatever reason, they're resilient. Or they just, it's not even for whatever reason. They're just resilient. And I think that's where I think decks that aren't ever going to make the transition lack. They lack resiliency. Well, one thing to look at, you know, it's a it's an uh, easy place to start, right, is like access to cards and colors. So, you know, you're stuck in Naya, whereas we're with car, every card we just discussed or and all these gods are four or five color, right? They have yep. much bigger and better card pools. You're missing blue and black, which really helps win the game sometimes. Yes. Um, so not that Shalai Nalar can't win. It threatens to win literally all the time. It's just that these decks are better prepared to, one, deal with decks that are trying to win, but also find ways to support their own wins when their win conditions are... V- arguably the best in the format because they are playing the best cards in the format they're playing the things that are lowest to the ground the easiest to accomplish 
and things that we don't get the opportunity to do because you and I like to play kind of more of these fringe decks. We like to play something that's unique and a little weird, but because of that, it comes at a cost. You got to play bad cards. You got to play bad cards sometimes. And sometimes bad cards is synergy and fun and stuff like that. And sometimes these decks, these gods, they don't have emotions anymore. <laughs> <No>. They're gods. <laughs> you got to be willing to shed emotion, <laughs> like yes. to shed all emotion and all connection to the human condition in order to play these decks in their most robotic whatever way you know you can just there are people who have gone out there and just printed the top blue farm list and gone to tournament with it not playing it ever before and placing like well i'm not, I'm not you cannot say that it's a deck it's no that, that is a player that is like, a player yeah yeah you know but it's like the combination of those things right so the deck itself is very good but as again this all everything comes down to the pilot i think it, right yeah you just can't like pilot and no, anybody can't pilot Blue Farm to a win, but it is a deck that if you do know the nuances of the game and know when to interact and everything like that. You if you're a good player, picking it up is going to feel really easy. Yeah, you can find yourself more often in a position to win the game than losing the game. Right. right. Or if, like, if you're doing more of a French strategy, you need to know the deck, probably have built the deck. You get the ins and outs and the ticks and stuff like that, where, like, you know, for example, I put that Najila list together like a year ago and you and I just pick it up from time to time and just win like literally every game we play. It's so explosive. Um, it's a deck that like, that's why it's one of the gods on the mountain. So um, looking at new cards, you know, it's like uh, Panch Laza, one of those cards where it's like, it's figured out. Rocco, I think is starting to make the transition. I think that's one of those. If you guys have listened to us before or in the past, we've also mentioned going to Eminence's top 16 like list. It'll show you the top 16 decks. It'll also show you like the top 50 decks if you want to see that have consistently placed. I would say like what the top 12 decks would be the top of Olympus, right? Decks that have maybe a high enough win percentage or are consistent enough. Yeah, I mean, you, I, you just say like top 10-ish I sure. think is fine. Um yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but like I think Rocco is one of those decks making the transition. Yeah, because it's really hard to stop. It's very consistent. And the fact is, Rocco's ability is open-ended to no... There's no containment. It is, there is... The ceiling is... There is no ceiling. Yeah, I think that's, right. that's an interesting card to bring up, right? Because it, it goes against what I was just saying. It's not a four or five color deck. It's not just playing generically good cards. It has a game plan. It's specific game plan with specific cards, and it's stuck in three colors. Mm -hmm. It has the massive upside of that. It's just an extremely busted card in that you get a tutor in a in an imaginary zone outside of your hand or deck. Yeah, you get two creatures for the whatever you're casting it for, and, and that's like one of. I just can't believe they made it an uncommon. Like redo it. It's a mythic. Like that. It's ability. a mythic level card. A hundred percent. And, uh, like, Pantalaza has this, like, really fun nuance of being this, like, dinosaur-centric deck where everything four or less in your deck and you can run through your whole library, hopefully run into some win conditions. Rocco, whatever you want to do, man, like, play all good cards. As long as you, if you get to Food Chain, you've won the game. There are also different ways to do it because it can just straight up search for Dockside and just put it right on the battlefield, start your, start your chain, and just go off. Yeah, it's, I, it's that good. Like, yeah, so I think I think that card is definitely a contender. I think um, we've been seeing a ton of Kinnon just the last six months, just placing high in tournaments, taking tournaments. Um, For me, that's already there. 
Yeah, like, for me, yeah. Kinnan is easily like top ten for sure in, yeah. in the Olympians. Um, it's proven. Like it, it, it's it is pr- proven, and it's just deck. one of those cards, or like one of those setups at this point where it's just new cards will come out that makes the deck even better, mm-hmm. and it'll be so hard to ever catch that, like right. catch up to that from like a deck that already exists forever for it to ever catch up. But there's like also some other decks that's interesting where it's like you think it has a shot or it it should or it doesn't for some reason or another, right? Like we had Cody. Cody came in and was an extremely explosive deck. Mm-hmm. Being able to offer Adnaz consistently turn to every single game, every single hand is insane. You'd be very scared of it. Like I remember playing against it and I was t- absolutely terrified. I mulliganed so I could have a collector oof in hand to start the game. Yeah. So, so you, you would think there would be more to that deck like having you know a, a contention contending uh spot for olympus but mm-hmm. nowhere near nowhere uh, near the top yeah another deck magda we all thought like for a long time magda is very good like i think but True. i think that it had this escalation to a point and then we've all figured out how to stop it we all figured out how to play against it because well if you don't control magda you don't win the game yeah, for as good as Magda's ability is, it suffers from being monocolored. And, and a 2-1. And having to deal with dwarves and just card quality and stuff like that. Yeah. So where, you know, Rocco gets to absolutely optimize every card slot in its limited colors, like, it still gets enough excellent cards in those slots yeah. where it's like, at a certain point, even playing like Urza, you have to play suboptimal cards. There's just no, like I said, there's no ceiling on Rocco. All you have to do is generate mana. Like and that's pretty much it. Yeah, if we're right? I'm I'm I've seen enough of Rocco lately to say that that is definitely a top ten card for me. Yeah, yeah, it's as long as like Tordeth is an amazing amazing pilot for that deck, and honestly, he probably understands it to a degree that I could never understand. Oh, hundred percent. Unless I played it for two or three years, you know, it's like no, he's a psycho about his deck. Like you, yeah. watch, you like just watch it play out, and it's it's nutty. Oh, it's turn two. <laughs> Every time and he wins, though. yeah. Every so time. Um, uh, I have something that I think that is notable as uh, the opposite of Cody. Like Cody was explosive, and petered out immediately. Yeah. Something that has been there for a long time with cards that are tried and true from the same era, right? Like Rocks, Rocks Eye, and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Dargo, Dargo recently. Well, this this is my Hercules candidate. No, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah. good. You oh, pitched no. it. I'm only saying this because you brought this up to me yesterday, and I totally agree. It's just like. Holy cow, what a come up Dargo has had in the last few months, dude. Yep. Like, not only just one singular deck, though, the fact that he has partner has come up more than I feel like most partners at all. He has three or four different decks in rotation. This is this is why he's my candidate, because he is the most flexible. Like, I think that uh, it took a while for people to see it, but, you know, rewind back to Commander Legends, reprint him at the proper rarity. He's a mythic. Like, he's a mythic. 100%. He's a mythic level like ability because he can consume creatures and artifacts as a part of the casting card. Yeah, a sack outlet that's just floating. Yeah, that's floating right there. And he really costs- good when you have, you know, Academy Rector or whatever. Now, imagine you could tap a treasure for three mana. That's what Dargo does. You want like, Jeweled Lattice to give you more mana? It's five mana, yeah. bro. <laughs> that's the thing is that, uh, like Jordan said, the partner, like partner mechanic very open-ended you can create a lot of different combinations with these decks dargo it just i don't know why we didn't see it sooner or like people weren't playing maybe it just took some time to like earn like to 
earn its stripes, right? right? This is so a Hercules. Like, He's yeah. fighting his way up. He's not a god to start. Yeah, I had to go through this, the trials. And so um, Dargo has Naya list. Dargo has Teamer list. Uh, it has uh, probably Jeskai list somewhere. The Grixis list is very interesting. Yeah, that's a deck I actually want to play. I feel like Grixis Dargo is actually my style of play in colors I don't normally pursue. That's pretty cool. So I want to print it. I want to try it out. It seems like a lot of fun. Uh, but it also seems really fucking good. Yeah, Dargo is just very, very good. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's he's come a long way, and some people have been pushing him in, like, the brewing and then also playing him to, you know, tournament. In fact, obviously, like, people don't respect a deck unless there's, like, tournament reports on it and stuff like that. So right. for in order for these decks to start making a name for themselves, not only do they need to have a placement, but they need to consistently place, right? Like... I will say, like, Winota, we haven't heard from Winota in a while. I know. That's one that I was like, eh, maybe the era of Winota is, like, ending. It is still there, still hanging on to godhood as far as, like, you respect it at the table. Like, I think you Winota earns a lot of respect. I just don't think we've seen it a lot lately, but I, I don't think oh, we, it'll, I don't think we count it out. I still think, like, there's still this back. conversation of... Is 75 versus 90 minutes better, right? I think if we go to 90 minutes, we see more stack decks come up. I think we see more Winota, more Jetmere. Yeah. Uh, there's there's decks that I can even say are Titans, right? So like the previous era of gods, like Teferi Chainville came out of nowhere to sweep CCU. You know, it's like uh, we don't know how that happened, but some decks also get just really we good. still have some old power back in the yeah. bounds. There's still some magic left to be had in those, in those decks because we're printing new cards that are only making those decks better. So there's still the chance of like a deck can res like there's resurgence for them. So like Winota, I don't count it out. Like I still th I think it's probably the biggest threat at the table. When I sit down, <laughs> like I don't discount it. It's just, yeah, it's been struggling to put up results lately. Really? has. So, I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the only factor, but I think it is obviously a huge, huge part of it. Um, and I, I totally agree with you. You said it like new cards, I think is what, other, otherwise, like a new commander has to get printed and be like, "That's busted." Yep. Otherwise, right now when we're in this situation where it's just like new cards come out and then there's like a shifting in the hierarchy because one of those gods or one of those contenders gets to like, "Oh, I actually use that better than everybody else," and because of that, you started like squeaking your way up, right? So I think a few cards really already existed with Dargo, obviously, but I think that mm -hmm. deck just keeps getting better and better. Um, but then we see things like Agatha's Soul Cauldron get printed, right? And all of a sudden, obviously, we haven't talked about it, but Sisse is definitely a god. Yep. Sisse is definitely top Has 10. Has made the transition. Top five, top three, whatever you want to call it. Yep. But Agatha's Soul Cauldron in that deck is just like, oh my god. It's yeah. like it's like you're you know, you're playing uh, Diablo or any of those kind of games, and you're already level 100, but you're like, hey, oh, I just found a more busted equipment than I already had. So Yeah, it just cements itself in like... If there was any chance that it, if it were not to put up results for a couple of years, I think it would still maintain godhood just because of like that, I, just the cards that it has access to, right? That just make it um, so flexible, so resilient and allow you to just open the gates and just run through the table, like yeah. win games so easily. And honestly, if we're being honest, Wizards of the Coast has recognized that Commander is the best-selling format, so let's print as many legendary creatures as physically possible every year. That don't it doesn't even make much sense to print so many, but they do anyway. But they will anyway. Yep. So because of that, she's getting a lot of fun toys every year. <laughs> yes, and 
I I mean, and I, I feel like they're running out of gas a little bit. Pants Laza? <laughs> I'm going to get an altar with blue jeans on it. <laughs> it's a raptor. <laughs> I think the, I don't know. I, the, I like the naming, some of the naming schemes they're going for, but it yeah. is definitely kind of silly. It was a little silly, but um, I, 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 so for as much as, you know, I think there are obviously cards that are going to continue to come out and boon decks and push them forward. There are also cards will come out and shift metas in the opposite direction. I think like things like Orcish Bowmasters, right? Anything that, really heavily relies on dorks that starts getting shifted back down a little bit yep. because dorks are really really bad right now yep um and then you know like anything outside of dorks but still dies to bowmasters like najila really suffers when a fucking bowmasters on the battlefield bro yep really bad. one draw trigger on the stack and then it's just kenrith like bonemaster kenrith is fine yeah, kenrith, five 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 it's fine yeah, yeah. And then if someone dare snipe one of your other creatures, you could literally just put a plus one, plus one counter on it in response. Yeah, I was um, definitely like in the party of decks that got worse when Bowmaster came around because the deck that I was playing at the time heavily relied on dorks. And this is where Rocco in Naya, most Naya decks want dorks, right? They don't want to rely on artifacts because other decks do. And so they probably put in stacks to limit them from playing too many of them. But uh, yeah, when a bowmaster comes in and snipes your bird that you're relying on for next turns, like yeah, or you're low. like you kept that hand because you're like color fixing, perfect. We'll we'll keep it. Nope. Yeah, it's two mana. It's very low to the floor, and it punishes those decks. So it just keeps you out of the game and prevents you from winning. That's you're pretty not much it. Run into Borkish bowmasters that often, are you? Well, you know, just kidding. It's going to be every single. Game. It's every game. Every single game, multiple decks. I think that when it first came out, people were like. I don't think it's that busted. I think they they knew it was that busted. And that first tournament we went to... Oh, my God. Uh, it was the last one we went to. Uh, well, yeah, the last one we went to, but the one right as Bowmasters released, we went to one. and Or maybe I did. I went to the one in Moscow. Oh. Right? I saw it every game. Yeah. Every game. The oh, one, dude, the the one ring. Dra- I saw it so often. It's yeah. like, yeah. These laughing are- Dragon, dude. Like, 100%. Orcish Bowmasters almost every game. Yep. Just... Turns out one damage pointed anywhere on the field. Really good. Everybody's yeah. looking at that, and they're not looking at the 8-8 that just came out of there from one turn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Turns out drawing cards is a pretty uh, pretty great mechanic in the game of Magic. So, um, yeah, those cards just help bolster those decks that aren't really punished by, or they're just resilient enough to uh, not be affected by those things. So, like, Rocco, even though it's a 3-1, doesn't matter. Throw it back in the command zone. I don't care. That's where I want it. Yeah, Justin usually is actually pretty happy about that. Yeah, and it, that's a deck that doesn't rely on dorks. Like, you're probably not tutoring for a dork. You're probably tutoring for a dockside. Like, you're probably tutoring for the thing that's going to win you the game. Like, yeah. the only thing that you would be worried about getting sniped is maybe the uh, the symbiote, symbiote or whatever the... Um, oh, Wirewood? Yeah, Wirewood Symbiote. Yeah. So... That's really the only thing you would worry about getting sniped. Everything else is just going to come straight from the library onto the field, and you can just play as many turbo rocks as you want. So um, that's why it's a resilient deck still. Yeah, I think that's like, as we've I've kind of done this analysis, and we've gone to more tournaments and stuff like that, I just more and more am looking at like these these gods, right, and what mm-hmm. makes them godly. And I'm trying to like use that in my gameplay and then also in like my deck building and stuff like that. Like, if I don't have access to what they have maybe because i'm like three colors versus five colors which is usually what i like um i still need to make sure that i have that level of resilience i need to make sure that if i attempt to win then i have a backup plan you know 
or if I attempt it, then it's I know it's protected. Or if there's a situation where I'm locked out, then I know I have the card to address that. And I think that's what five color decks and like toolboxy decks are really great at doing and are also what dominate our format right now. And I think like I'm always trying to build with that. So in Grixis, I'm always trying to have a plan about like I need to tutor for this because I have this one card that's like a silver bullet that gets me out of said situation. But yeah. it's not a niche enough or a low quality enough card to where your deck is getting worse. Like it, it still has that playability. Yeah, most stuff you're at the certain point where these decks are they only get better as better cards are released. So like Modern Horizons three that's going to come out, I think these decks just get a little bit stronger. Oh my God, hundred you know, They get a little bit better, and uh, more than you know, like resiliency is great. I think that is probably the key factor in a lot of these decks maintaining their position. But then the reason they got there is because they're so consistent. And so that's what we're seeing from Dargo now is that it sneezes and goes infinite. Mm -hmm. And so you're seeing consistency that is unparalleled in other decks that just rely on kitschy strategies to get to where they need to go. So um, ultimately that's why it's my Hercules candidate. I think it just is so consistent, so resilient that you can burn as many resources as you need to get Dargo and flicker it a million times. Phyrexian altar just like, obviously crazy it's greater good yeah you know it's just so cool unbelievable how it just keeps count like it's like a storm count yeah. how many how many creatures and how many dargo artifacts count. yeah yeah the dargo count right so yeah it's it's, it's super interesting that's just like one card that has created its own little mechanic in its own little world because of it yeah we used to use greater gargadon for certain things like as a, a sack outlet uh but this is just in the command zone it's better to seven five, you talked about doing that giants. You, you could play a flavorful card, that giants strike. Giants fury, yes, yeah, giants fury, so good. <laughs> you know where you draw fourteen cards, kind of crazy, uh, and do right. a ton of damage. That's the other thing. It's like he's a seven five that you can get on like turn one or two. Like, yeah, you can get a ton of mana off that with a burnt offering, or you can you know draw a ton of cards with a greater good, or you can just start swinging for seven damage. People start dying really quickly. Yep, yes they do. Uh, seven life. Uh, at the person playing black reduces their ad nos count significantly. So uh, pretty crazy stuff. But um, I got to ask you. Yeah. Because I think we're pretty much wrapping up here. And yes. I totally agree. I think Dargo is our Hercules candidate. Mm -hmm. What is the deck you think is the most Herculean Dargo deck right now that you've seen? Ooh, that's a tough one. I think I've seen um, uh, Dargo Thrasios probably is the most... I think that was the one that people started figuring out how good Dargo was. Yeah. Teamer decks have a tough time um, getting there, I feel like, sometimes, because they can be very explosive, but the wheels can fall off if you're... I find lack of tutors is, like, really what kills me in Teamer. Yeah. And so, alternatively, what we've been talking about is this Grixis list. I don't think... It still needs to be more proven to become that Herculean, uh, like a candidate, you know, to become that the top candidate for this particular thing. But um, yeah, I would say the teamer list is probably the the leading candidate at the moment. Yeah, for, like, it, it is the most explosive that like and like you said, greater good has access to these like right. ridiculous um, levels of, of drawing. You get Neoform, you get like, yeah, true. you know, weird things like that that can help like uh, fix or explode or, or whatever yeah i didn't honestly think about that like neoform or eldritch evolution your dargo and uh or which one eldritch evolution lets you get or less yeah anything. so yeah so i mean literally you'll rip anything out of your deck yep so um plus you can uh you can always 
uh, Neoform Thrasios into something you might want to. You're really, you're just looking for like Thermopod lines in that deck to get infinite mana so you can activate and draw your entire library anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think Thrasios obviously gives, provides the outlet for the combo piece that is Dargo, so that is pretty nice. And then additionally, you get... I think that not even Th- uh, Thrasio itself, but the colors that he provides gives you a decent mid game. So yes. it's like you get to be an explosive deck with solid mid game. So you uh, you get to choose when you pop off. Yep. And interacting on the stack, not nothing. You right. know, I think I found that with Naya is just it lacks that. Where right. You can, I think with this deck in particular, you can still win on the stack. And that's why. Yeah. I think um, I totally agree. I think this is the one we've seen obviously the most play testing behind and the most people behind it. But because we've like and not just us the community is starting to see how good dargo is we're seeing all these other decks pop up we're seeing sidar dog dargo list yep. right we're seeing grixis dargo which i'm really hyped about um and i just want to see like what these do like but, like you give black to a dargo deck that seems pretty sweet like you can tutor and you know there's we've seen hoarding broodlord like kind of but like, is this a better deck for it? You know, like you get to do different angles that most Grixis decks really don't do. Yeah, that's what I was going to add is like the burnt offering part of that is really attractive to me. You already have in the deck. Player, yeah. 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 There, you know, so uh, not only does uh, the burnt offering give you seven mana from Dargo, it also adds a Dargo count. So Dargo is technically two less. So you can just cast them for one red. Get one red and the rest is yeah, black. And the rest of it is whatever you want it to be. You know? Oh, that's so, gross. Like, uh, that's kind of where I think it's a card that like breaks parity. Um, and that's why I think it's a little bit more explosive. Yeah, not to mention or like can be more consistent with like with the tutors. Totally, yeah, tutors, and then uh, I think it can be more consistently explosive. Like I think it'll be a more turbo deck, little less mid range than like the green blue deck or mm-hmm. yeah, green blue deck. Um, but yeah, then like ruthless technomancer, where you all of a sudden you're like dockside loops, dockside loops. You know, then you all of a sudden reanimate your broodlord and then go into that combo and like you know, there's just so much craziness you get to do with that deck. Totally. Um, yeah. I like it a lot. Very excited. Shout out Dargo. Turns out this is a Dargo and kind of also uh, a Rocco episode. Yeah. <laughs> no, we uh, we really just wanted to touch on the decks that we we think can make the transition. Obviously, we think Dargo can make it. Uh, Rocco is transitioning right now. He's got and, it, dude. Yeah. And uh, there are just a few decks that stand above the rest. And um, we've been noticing that and felt it was worth the conversation. What deck do you feel is not... Not and I'm talking to you, the listener, not Evan. What deck do you feel uh, deserves a little more respect on the name? Can uh, maybe take on these tasks and maybe become a god of their own, earn their spot on Olympus. This has been uh, the Mock Stars podcast, y'all. Thank you for listening, Evan. You got some plugs for us? Oh yeah, uh, huge shout out first to Chris back in Wisconsin, played his first CDH tournament and got a dub. Let's go. First tournament. Yep. And Brandon went along with him. Unfortunately, couldn't get that dub, but you get it next time, my guy. Dude, that is just the nature of the beast. I feel like I went yep. three in a row without getting a dub. Yeah, I went I went two full tournaments without getting a dub. So um, it takes some time. It's not easy. And sometimes you win and then you go a few tournaments without winning. It's not a, it's not a you know tried and true thing. <laughs> yeah. Just it's a journey, my man. That's yep. all I'm saying. But this has been the Mock Stars Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to tag along and listen to more, you can subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up. Hit that bell for more notifications on when new episodes are coming out. Spoiler alert. It's every single Friday. Every Friday. You can also find us on all major podcasting platforms. Uh, Leave a five-star review because it makes us look really cool. And 
you can find us on Patreon, where you can become a patron for $3 a month, where you get access to, uh, well, you get to become an official Pepperhead, where you gain access to two exclusive channels on our Discord, your name becomes Dr. Pepper Red, and... You're just a really cool person. You become a very cool Thanks. person. Thanks. And yeah. If you're not a cool person, you become a cool person. If you are a cool person, you become a very cool person. Cool and person. <laughs> For three sh- bucks, bro, that's actually kind of crazy. I know, right? It's kind of gas. And a huge shout out to all the people who are really cool people and have supported us so far. So thank you so much. I think that's about it. Thanks all my plugs. Great plugs. Oh, wait, 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 wait. One more plug. Remember, this is the number one podcast on the internet for Magic the Gathering and Dr. Pepper. Peace. Good night.